In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Good News for the City, the broadcast radio partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. My name is Brian Bales, and I have the privilege of being your host for this show. And also, many times on the weekends, you could find me being the lead pastor at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. But when you listen to me on podcast or listen to the show live on WAVA, what you'll find is our focus over and over again is this, focusing on local people local issues or local ways that you can get involved to be a part of the truth of this, that it is the gospel that makes a way. You know, the book of John chapter 17 is where Jesus is in the upper room and he talks a lot about unity. And we talk a lot about unity on this show as well. We talk about racial unity. We talk about social unity. But one way that we often don't talk about unity is what does it look like to have unity with the differing generations? Today, we welcome to the show a local senior pastor, professor, and ministry leader who's written a book titled Gentigration, Connecting Leaders Across Generations. And this book explores the significance of the fact that for the first time in our history, there are five distinctly different living generations. In fact, Gentigration is a, a book that has a purposeful effort of organizations to maximize their effectiveness by bringing unity to their leadership and staff across generations. It's been noted that this type of organizational health requires established leadership that is secure enough within themselves to bring on board young leaders, as well as young leaders who need to be patient enough to embrace the organization's history and culture. And so our guest today will help us understand what makes each generation unique and how we can engage with each other in the most effective ways to advance our mission and to move the gospel forward. He's going to say something today that I think you probably know, but hopefully you're going to grasp at a different level that we are different for the same reasons. The more you understand your generation's quirks, the easier it is to give grace to another generation's quirks. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bobby Manning. Bobby, thanks for being here today, man. Ryan, thank you so much for having me. You know, I read this and I'm like, I know I'm quirky. So I'm really interested to see how we're going to talk about it. Now, I know you, we go back for a while being connected uh, as board members of One Heart DC. Same. But for those who don't know you, let me give them a little bit of background. Uh, you are a nationally recognized speaker, author, and you are as well the senior pastor of the Heights Church, a 70-year-old church in the District Heights of Maryland. And you are committed, and I know this, to connecting with communities to cultivate strong Christians. As I mentioned, you also serve on the board of One Heart DC, the sponsor of this show with good news, rather with WAVA. And also under your leadership, you know, in empowering the community, the Heights, your church that you have a privilege to serve, has been recognized in so many different ways, both locally and nationally. Outreach Magazine, BET, The Washington Post. Uh, you're a prolific author. I'm going to use the word prolific because anytime you go more than one, I think it's <laughs> prolific. You've got the one we're talking about today, Gentigration, but you also have Saving Our Sons, Moving Like a King. Are you afraid of heights? All of those challenge in different ways uh, the truth about how to live out the gospel in our lives. 
But in addition to, to serving your local church, you, you're a seminary professor, church consultant, leadership coach, president of the Collective Empowerment Group. I always get tired just even looking at your bio. I can't <laughs> imagine living your bio. But you are a native of Washington, D.C. area where you and your wife, LaVera, currently reside. You have three boys, Levi, Reuben, and Joseph. And based upon your social media feed, they keep you busy all the time. All the time. So all much the energy. Time. Three boys in the house is so much energy and so much fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, let's just dive into it if we can for our listeners. You know, you've written this book called Gentigration, and obviously you did extensive research. We all have different anecdotal experience with what it means to live in different generations. But in this book, you look at the fact that there are five living generations right now that each have very specific distinctives. Mm -hmm. And so for those people who may just be generally aware that there's some generational differences going on, could you sort of start us out a little bit today by talking about those different generations, name them for us, and give us a, a quick snapshot of, of what they're like, their age groups, how they interact, and things like that? Sure, absolutely. Well, first, it just when, when you think about it, I think a lot of times we, uh, we think about how someone else is different, and we grow frustrated w- with how they're different from us. Um, sure. But at the same time, we don't grow frustrated about our own differences and our own quirks. And I think that's the big part of it. Um, and so, yes, th- there are five living, what I'll say is out there are five living adult generations. You have your boomer sure. generation, your, uh, your builder generation, which comes before baby boomers. Then you have your boomers, baby boomers. Then you have generation X, mm-hmm. you have your millennials, and of course, you have uh, Gen Z. Um, uh, there's another generation coming up that I don't address in the book because they haven't yet ventured into adulthood. I, many of you are calling them the alpha generation. I think we ran to the end of the alphabet and didn't know what sure. to do, so we started over. <laughs> right. And it makes us feel better when we can use the Greek, especially exactly. if you know we've gone to seminary, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so uh, each of those generations, I think the important thing to remember is all of us got the way that we are, honestly. We Mm -hmm. are shaped by our experiences and our upbringing. We're shaped by what's available to us during our adolescence. We're shaped by um, the home staples and the uh, the cultural heroes of our generation. We're shaped by the people who raised us. Um, And so each generation is unique in and of itself. And I think the, the grace is, you know what? I got the way that I am, honestly. So I need to look at another generation and say, you know what? You got the way that you... You are honestly as well. Mm, that's a good point. You know, someone once told me that expectations, you really don't realize you have them many times until they're not met. Mm. And that came in really, really powerful for me when I got married. You know, you were a little bit younger out the gate getting married than I was. I was in my late 20s. So I developed a lot of habits mm-hmm. that I didn't know that people approach life differently than mm. I did. And so I get married to a wonderful wife, Kathy. And we're the same generation, only six months apart in age, but she approached life differently. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult and challenging. Never thought about it. Now take that complicate it when you have differing genders, uh, you know, one's male, one's female, but also you have different generations, mm-hmm. right? And you now you're, you're putting them together. How does understanding the differences, right? That we are formed by culture around us. We come by it honestly, but also the reality that God has wired and made us all differently. Absolutely. How does that matter in understanding those differences between the way the hearts and minds of the different generations operate? And once we begin to understand that, what sort of effect does that have on we begin to relate and interact and care for each other? 
It's a huge and compounding effect when we start to understand each other. Um, the, uh, the, this book began as I was con- doing a lot of consulting, doing a lot of coaching with churches and businesses because they would bring me in as the, as the young millennial leader. They would bring me in and say, Pastor Bobby, could you teach us about the millennials? And mm-hmm. as I'm teaching you about the millennials, I, I realize, okay, in order for you to understand me, you have to understand you. <laughs> and what we understand about ourselves is all of us bring values to the table. And a lot of times we're fighting over things that really are, um, are, are the covering of a deeper value that we have. And as right. soon as we're able to wade through the, the, what I call the church fights um, mm-hmm. and get to uh, the real value that underlies it, what we'll find is there's actually intersection of values if we're patient enough to find them. And so, um, and so a lot of this bounces off the fact that baby boomers have been running the world for the last 60 years. <laughs> and so, uh, and so how do we, um, understand baby boomers and, and how, how they got to this point, uh, bringing corporate structure to what the builder generation built, um, and then putting themselves as the, as the head of that corporate structure, um, mm-hmm. it's hard to break that, but there's generations coming behind, um, that, uh, that, a lot of times baby boomers don't understand uh, because uh, because uh, the newer generation, uh, uh, the younger generations just think differently. But as soon as we can cut through that, understand each other and understand the values that underlie how we think and what we do, uh, I believe that there's going to be a, a, an easier way for us to be able to come together and, in our churches, in our businesses and in our families. And that's such a vivid reminder. I think all of us have had those experience where we think we understand another generation and then something happens. I got a guy on my staff who's 30 years old, wonderfully gifted, unbelievably great communicator. And he got up and just preached the other day something from a direction that I never in a million years could have thought about that direction. Mm-hmm. And my younger people, Generation Z, you know, millennials, they really connected. Even my kids who were 15 and 12, they're like, they looked at me. And they're like, that connected. So there's so many different ways that you're highlighting. And I think one of the things that I just you know, looked in a little bit of what you're saying, and then obviously know you as a person, you're kind of pushing against what I would like to say, a fairly popular trend that goes like this. We like what we like. Mm. We feel comfortable with what we feel comfortable with. And so usually left our own devices, we surround ourselves with people who, who look like us, mm-hmm. who are, are approaching life like us, have the same mindset like us. And I'm saying all of those things, and those people can be completely different than other people who are Christ followers, who mm-hmm. don't have the same mindset, don't look like us, and those sort of things for a lot of different reasons. And so many times, new churches or those sort of stuff, they look a whole lot like one generation or maybe one and a half generation. Yes. But you've highlighted the importance of not running from gentigration, but rather embracing gentigration to be effective. In fact, you say this, um, and I know you don't just say this, you believe this because people who might know the history of District Heights, you came in as a very young pastor, Mm -hmm. and that congregation at the time would not have been described as a congregation that completely fit your demographic as far as generation. You say younger people can benefit from the wisdom and stability of the older generation as well. Older people can benefit from the energy and forward thinking of younger people. And we must be able to effectively engage all generations in order, catch this, to survive. I love that. 
So it's not just in cases, hey, I want to engage all generations to thrive, but actually mm-hmm. to survive. So what are some of the ways that you've experienced this or you've seen this done through your consulting effectively? So absolutely. I, I think our, nat- as you said, our natural bend is to congregate with people who look like us. Mm-hmm. What the book argues is that you can do this to your own peril. Uh, the If you want to put a shelf life on your business, a shelf life on your church, and we've seen countless examples of this, Brian, in, in business and in church. We, we yeah. saw, um, we saw a blockbuster video that was at the top of its, uh, at, of its industry die in less than a generation because they failed to embrace a, a newer technology and younger ideas. Um, we've seen churches close their doors and sell their buildings um, because of, they had preferences uh, of their own style. And when your style um, will die with you, um, and and uh, we believe that the church is Jesus's church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we're talking about the the global church. It it, it doesn't mean that your church won't close its doors. That's right. If you are um, stubborn enough to think. That that your way is going to be the way forever. Um, And so it's important for all of our, um, uh, all organizations, all businesses, all churches to think generationally and get out of your own way to remind yourself that you, that you are not the customer, that, that you are not the target, that, that, uh, and that your, uh, your organization must outlast you. And in order for your organization to outlast you, you must raise up leaders. So the last third of the book is, okay, how do I engage Generation X, Millennials, and Gen Z, not just to reach them, but to engage them in leadership in order to pass the baton? Is who's next to lead um, in order to uh, in order to pass the pass the generational torch to uh, to the to the younger generations who are ready to lead. Remember, mm-hmm. millennials um, are almost into their forties, and Gen Z is in college right now. Um, so you know we can't keep looking at them like they're the young people. No, these folks are adults. They got bills. <laughs> they have issues. They have children, mm-hmm. um, and they are ready to take the reins um, of your church of your organization and help you to lead it forward. Yeah, I think there's oftentimes we don't remember when we were that age. Mm -hmm. And in that lack of institutional memory, I think there's a lot of loss that occurs in that way. And what you are pushing towards, I I believe, is something that is not easy. And if something isn't easy, that almost always means it doesn't happen by accident. And you know what, Brian, right? I, w- I, w- I would even push back on that. A lot of folks do remember when they were that age and they mm-hmm. remember that I wasn't like you. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's oh. that's frustrating okay. is a baby boomer will look at a millennial. But like, I remember when I was 30 and I wasn't like you I, or, or, or look at a Zoomer, a, a Gen mm-hmm. Z and say, I remember when I was 20 and I wasn't like you. Of course you weren't because you were sure. raised in, a, in a different generation at a different time and different things, different influences shaped who you are. Um, and so just because I'm not you does not mean I'm inferior to you. I think that's the important thing to remember that just because I'm not you doesn't mean I'm inferior to you. It means that I'm different from you. And that means I'm, I compliment you actually. Mm. And so I want you to remember what it was like when you were my age, because I, I want you to remember that the, the things that were important to me, but I also want you to remember that I'm not the way that you are because I'm shaped by different um, experiences than you were shaped by when you were my age. 
Would it be safe then to say this, if I'm understanding you correctly, because that's a great point that you bring up, that when we look back, what we're looking at is our expressions at that age. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, you've got to dig underneath those expressions and you discover what's behind it. There's a lot of integration that happens or intersection, yes. I believe, is the term that you used. And so what happens, I think maybe what I'm hearing you say is we go back and we look at the expression and say, my expressions went that way, but we don't get underneath and understand, no, no, maybe there's a lot more intersection happening on in that way. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. 100%. There's a lot more intersection than we give ourselves credit for. Um, it's just that uh, that uh, those values bring about different out uh, outworkings when it comes okay. down to it. And so mm-hmm. in the book, I say, you know, I know you think that you're fighting over the color of the carpet um, or the pews, uh, but really you're not the, the, you're not fighting about that. You're fighting about the the value underneath it um, mm. for for the builder generation is a value of stability for the baby boy generation is a value of loyalty um, for uh, for the Gen X is a value of progression. And so all of those things can intersect and the um, and the product of it is is the pews in the church. Well, I don't like those chairs or the color of the carpet. It was always red. It was red when my grandmama was here and it makes me feel like home. Um, mm. and, and at the bottom of that, at the base of that are the values that each generation holds. But when we find when we get ourselves to the base, what we may find is, you know what, the reason why I love that color of the carpet is because it reminds me of that time that our church did this. Yeah. Because there's a value underneath that. And when, once we find those values, what we'll find is, man, I value that too. Mm-hmm. How can we maintain that value even if we don't maintain the artifacts of the value? Right. So if we're going to be intentional then, because it doesn't, we don't stumble into it by accident, um, give us a couple really quick principles maybe to keep in mind then if we're going to prepare the next generation. Because I know a lot of people listen to the show, they're in ministry themselves or they're like, oh, I want to pass this along to my, to my pastor or my deacon or my elder or whoever's involved in the church there. Mm-hmm. A couple of values to remember, uh, a couple of things to remember. Number one, let's have conversations. Let's get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Beyond the things that we disagree about, let's get to know each other. Let's tell each other our stories. Um, let's uh, let's let's get to the bottom of what those values are. And I think that's one of the um, hopefully the the helpful parts of this book is just to help us to ask the right questions in order to understand each other's values. Then let's also recognize that we all work together to a common goal if our common goal is the long-term generational effectiveness of our businesses and our churches. Mm -hmm. If we agree that we want our church or our business to not only be effective today, but to be effective 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, then let's come together on that commitment to, okay, I'm going to get out of my own skin. The scripture teaches us uh, that we should esteem others over ourselves. That means I have to, I have to love you, listen to you, engage you and and value you even more than I value myself. And then when I think about that, then it's okay. I don't understand uh, this, um, this new technological wave, but I'll embrace it because it's going to be helpful for my, uh, for the longevity of my organization. And I'm going to embrace you because you'll be better than me at helping me to do that. Yeah. And so if you're hearing this and like, I want to know more, there's a couple of places I want to send you. I'll mention them again at the end of the broadcast, you can go 
to Dr. Bobby's website, drbmanning.com. You can also go go to heights.org. That's go the number two heights.org and learn more about his church. Or you can just go to Amazon or wherever you get your local books and you can look up Gentigration and it'll pop up right there and you can have a copy delivered to your house if you have Prime in less than two days. Right. <laughs> uh, so in this last few minutes or so, Bobby, you just alluded to this technology and that's a real tension, especially as we've just find ourselves on maybe the tail end of a pandemic. And during that pandemic, people embrace technology at a level maybe not used to, uh, mm-hmm. people used to. And the, the generation of Gen Z, they were already very comfortable with, with uh, virtual connections in that way. And, and a lot of the generations that came before them, you know, not so much. Certainly the Generation X, they've got a foot in one world and one in the other. I, that's kind of me. And then, you know, Boomer and, and Busters, they don't quite, Builders rather, they don't quite get that in some ways. Mm-hmm. So talk about, if you would, that challenge of what you say, the necessity to become experts in connecting those who are comfortable with virtual and not rejecting it, but connecting them with reality. Absolutely. Yeah. So so one, one of the chapters in the book is connecting virtual with reality, particularly for Gen Z, because you got to remember that Gen Z grew up in a in a generation where smartphones and tablets were commonplace. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my, my oldest son is 13 years old. The iPhone is 14 years old. So mm-hmm. he, all three of my children came out of the womb knowing how to operate a smart device. Um, and so they live online. They interact uh, with, with, with um, artificial intelligence and virtual reality like it's nothing. My, my children can be having a conversation with me and then introduce Alexa or Siri into the conversation with with no with no overlap it's it's, mm-hmm. it's just seamless for them um be, to 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 think technologically now if that be the case let's remember that these are the people who will be leaders of your business and your church in 10 to 15 probably 20 years right. and so it, so let's begin now embracing this instead of rejecting it let's begin now embracing it uh because if we don't then then our organization will be will be behind before they even get started and right. so just re- just remembering that they they grew up in a different world than even I of a millennial grew up in and and you know when I, when I was first introduced to the internet it was a dial-up connection yeah, um, every one but, of us can still hear the AOL binging absolutely right you now, got right? mail but but, yeah. but my, my kids need uh need wi-fi like they need water <laughs> And so, and so what does that mean for your church? What does that mean for your organization? I think it's an important question to ask for every leader. Yeah. And that's such a great point. I, I still remember, Bob, I don't know if you remember this happened to you the first time. I still remember preaching the first time and watching someone live fact check what I said mm-hmm. on the internet, mm-hmm. just pulled up their phone right there, you know, and they came to me after the service and said, well, what about this? Right. And I realized mm-hmm. that's a, a whole different way. And, you Absolutely. know, we could spend a lot of time diving deep into this, uh, maybe just a quick 30-second story about how, for you personally, understanding the generations have helped you accelerate change or maybe just avoid a mistake. For me as a leader, it was vital because when I came in as a 28-year-old pastor at the Heights, I, I had all of these ideas and all of this vision, but I didn't understand. Uh, I, and so I accused the people who bucked against my vision of bucking against me, bucking against God. And really, it was it was really my misunderstanding of their values. And so this mm-hmm. goes both ways. I'm not telling, I'm not just saying all the old people understand the young people. What I'm saying is all of us have to understand each other in 
in order to get anything done. And if we yeah. can do that, then we can be effective leaders and effective in all aspects of our leadership. Well, Bobby, thank you for being and thank you for challenging us. If you've enjoyed listening to this today, know we're going to have Dr. Manning back for another show in the future. Uh, we're not going to tell you when that is because we want to keep you listening to Good News for the City every weekend on WAVA. But certainly if people want to connect with you, uh, there's so many ways you can do it. You can connect you on Twitter at Dr. B Manning. Is that also your Instagram handle, if I remember yeah, correctly? Absolutely. Instagram and Twitter at, at Dr. B Manning. The website mm-hmm. where you can get the hard copy of the book is drbmanning.com. Or go to heights.org. If you certainly live in that area, uh, it is a great place to connect and to grow in Christ and learn what it means to take the theories that we hear about, but to put them into practice to make a difference. And so thanks for joining us. And today, as you listen, I hope you've been challenged. If you have some, let's just say, convictions that needed to change around what it looks like to integrate with different generations and to live out the John chapter 17 unity that we've called for. And so as you go today and you go throughout what you do, don't forget what you've heard here. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.